We're going to continue our series this week uh, on the power of confession. And, uh, you know, I want you to uh, come with this mindset, and that is, actually, maybe just say this after me. Say, I'm ready to receive today. I'll try it again. I'm ready to receive today. I'm ready to receive today. The word of God. The word of God. Which never changes. Which never changes. Which is incorruptible. Which is incorruptible. Which is living. Which is living. Which is God speaking to me. Which is God speaking to me. Praise God. So I'm looking here um, at believers this morning, people that believe God. And, uh, you know, the Word of God tells us that God is effectively at work in the life of the believer. He's effectively at work in the life of the, of the believer. First Thessalonians 2.13 says, And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the Word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the Word of men, but as it really is, the Word of God, which is at work in you that believe. So really, when you receive the Word of God from a minister, as not the words of just that minister, but as the word of God, uh, it's effectively at work in you. So when you're believing that, that word is effectively working for you and in you. And, you know, the most tangible example I would have of that is a, a missions trip Melody and I did to the Philippines back in 2005. We had a great trip, and uh, I might have mentioned it before. We went over to work with a missionary by the name of Paul Chase. He's been there now for about 35, 36 years, and I think he has, I don't know, 15 churches, no, maybe more than, a lot more churches, 60 churches, I think it was, yeah, like 60 churches, sorry, Paul, um, and um, has just done a great work there. Well, we were uh, fresh out of traveling with Brother Hagen. He had gone to heaven, and we wanted to um, get an opportunity to go out and do some missions work. We both uh, really love to do missions, and so we were just determined, like, let's find the hardest place we can go. Like, what's, what's a challenging place to go? And uh, this guy came and spoke at Rama, and uh, he, he told us, uh, the whole congregation, he's like, you know, in order to graduate from our Bible school, you have to, like, get at least three people born again, three people filled with the Holy Ghost, and cast the devil out of three people. And we said, okay, that sounds like a challenge. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go for it. And so we went over, and um, one of the best ministry experiences I ever had, we were there for about three weeks, and um, we went to three different churches and spent about four days, four or five days at each church, and um, each church was different. And the first church was kind of like um, um, maybe like a more Baptist-flavored church, Southern Baptist-flavored church, and uh, in that they were very focused on salvation and the lost. And um, we should all be focused on salvation and loss, but that was kind of like more the extent of where they went with, uh, with their teaching and stuff. And so uh, that's great. So when we were there, we went door to door like all morning, all afternoon, taught, taught an afternoon session, taught the evening session, and man, it wore me out. It was our first one right after, you know, trying to get over jet lag for a couple days. Um, so we did that. And then uh, the second church was like a wild Holy Ghost church. And uh, they had been uh, meeting for a long time in a cockfighting arena. So, you know, this is not too bad because it's very clean in here. But every Sunday morning, they'd have to start at 5 a.m. and clean up the poop and clean up the blood and get rid of everything. It was right there as you enter the town. It was kind of built on a hill, and it was kind of open air, but it had a, a shelter over it, kind of like a wolf trap, you know, the outdoor venue, where you got the whatever, 
roof over you, but you can see out the sides. That was their cockfighting arena. So they would clean all that up. So, but they had got this new building, um, and it was like the buildings from Manila. So I'm out in the villages, and a lot of the, the houses just have like a dirt floor and uh, not a lot, and maybe, maybe they'll have concrete in some of the houses, but uh, still just, just not a lot. And, um, but they believed God and got finances, and it wasn't from America to build this church. And so they had built this church, and it was the nicest church in town, um, nicest building in town, rather. And um, they were worshiping there, but ever since they built the church, moved into the church, they no longer had, like, the Holy Ghost move of the Holy Spirit was not uh, tangible, wasn't happening. And uh, they weren't really sure what was, uh, why that was. And so um, that's an interesting story because the pastor's wife said to, said to us when we got there, she said, I was praying and they didn't know we were coming because the, the Paul, Pastor Paul just decided when we got there where he was going to send us. And so nobody knew ahead of time. But she had seen like two or three weeks before she was praying and had a, a vision. And she saw this blonde-headed missionary from the United States come and preach to their church. And it like actually broke that whatever was over them. And, uh, and they were set free. So she was super happy to see us. And she didn't tell me that right away. <laughs> she told me that later. And she's like, we are going to have like a blowout service and, you know, all this. And... Um, so we did, and uh, the stronghold that was really over their church broke. And then the third church was like a brand new church, and they just planted it. And um, they were just so uh, on fire and fresh, and they were living by faith, like for everything. They had these kids, and then and over in the Philippines, a lot of times they'll add an extra kid. Like, I didn't quite understand it, but you'll adopt a kid for a while. And so they had no money, and they added another kid from family or something like that that they could kind of pseudo-adopted, and they helped take care of their kids as well and stuff. And so everything for them was just, you know, I'm believing God for this next meal. I'm believing God for this next thing, this next whatever. And so we went there, tests our faith, because then they want to, like, give us all of the, be the best of their food while their children are there watching us eat. That's like, you know, where's your faith, right? <laughs> and so, but the Lord provided for them. And so uh, you realize the reason I want to give those three examples is... Um, um, really, your limit to receive is not so much based on the minister, but it's based on your believing. Jesus said time and again and again and again, um, whatever you can believe, that's what you can have. And, uh, you know, of course, one of my favorite scriptures is Mark eleven twenty two through 24, have faith in God. Whoever will say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and not doubt in his heart, but believe those things that he says will come to pass. He'll have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, what things soever, whatever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. And so it's really more based on you than it is on God. So we always want to kind of look at like the receiver. And I heard an illustration one time, Patsy Caminetti actually gave it. And she said, she said, you know, if you're getting up in the morning and you're going in your bathroom and you're trying to do your hair and you have the hair dryer. No, maybe some men can't, can't. Uh, connect with this illustration as much, but uh, I didn't blow dry my hair this morning, but when it's longer, I do sometimes blow dry my hair. It's kind of embarrassing to say, but anyhow, <laughs> just makes it faster and works better. So she said, if you go in there and you're trying to blow dry your hair and the blow dryer doesn't come on, you don't call the electric company and say, hey, you got a problem. Your power station is not working. It's not producing electricity in my house. No, you first you go, now you go to the little cute GFI thing that's probably on your hair dryer, and you check that, and then 
If you're a troubleshooter, then you check the GFI thing that's on the wall. And then after that, you go check the breaker that probably is also GFI, hopefully. And um, then, you know, if no other lights are working, you might call the power company. Uh, but so many times we want to call the power company and say, Lord, why are you not sending the power? Why is this not working? What's going on? When he's saying, you know, it's really on the receiving end. It's not on the sending end. Brother Hagan always uh, uses an example very similar. He said, you know, if you're trying to tune your radio and you can't get any radio stations, uh, you figure out, like, there's a problem with your radio. There's not a problem with the transmitter because you're not receiving any, any radio stations. And so um, the good thing, the great thing is it's all up to us. It's according to your faith, be it unto you, is what Jesus said. So according to what you believe, according to what you're going to trust. And... Um, you know, you can hear different people say, I had a friend actually that he said to me, man, he's like, I, I don't know about that faith stuff because um, that just puts too much on the person. That just puts, you know, that's just too much pressure, too much this. And he said, I would never like, I would never like talk about the devil. And he would kind of whisper like, well, the devil might hear you. The devil might hear you and then he's going to get you. So I would never say I'm never going to be sick again because then the devil will put sickness on you the second you say that. And so he had a lot of faith in the devil and a lot of trust in the devil. And um, But if you put your faith and put your trust in God, there's nothing the devil can bring your way that Jesus has not already conquered, that Jesus has not already made the answer for and set you free from. And so when you look at being able to have faith in God, and you're delivered from anything that the devil would try to bring your way that you don't actually just overcome it, but you actually more than overcome it, you conquer it, excuse me, um, you find that, uh, looking for my water, you find that it's all up to you. Well, that could come to your mind like, well, this is like, a, this, is a, this is, I'm not up to the task. Faith is not a thing of works. Faith is faith. <laughs> it's simply trusting God and it's trusting God so much that we act like he's not a liar, that we act like he's true. So that we see the word of God and we say, okay, God said this. God said, I'll supply all of your needs according to my riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So now I'm going to act like that. I'm going to act like you are my supplier and I'm going to think like that and I'm going to talk like that. And that's where we're at with this series where we're talking about the words of our mouth, the importance of the words of our mouth, and we call it confession. I almost like a better word for this series, and that would be declaration. Because I've heard confession, I, you know, I heard confession all my life. But the first place I heard confession was 1 John 1.9, right? You know, 1 John 1.9, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1.9. Uh, actually, I'm going to turn there and, and read it. First John 1, 9, and I'll read also, uh, instead of just quoting it, I'll read uh, verse 8. First John 1, 8 and 9. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Verse 8 says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. Well, this is the same in verse 8 and verse 9. These two words for confession are the same words, homologio, right? So you're talking about confessing, and we're talking about declaring. So if we declare, uh, I have no sin, no, I don't, I don't admit to that sin that I did, that's not me, 
we actually separate ourselves from that, and then we separate ourselves from the cleansing power of Christ in that sin, right? Because if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. And this is not written to unbelievers. This is written to Christians. This is written to believers. And it's some of the best news, I think, that you would almost ever hear because it says that we have an advocate with the Father. It says if we sin. So he's not expecting us to always be sinning, to be like messing up all the time. Well, how, how could that possibly be? Well, that's because he's expecting us to live after the new creation that we are on the inside. We're to live after the new man that we have been made. And if you live after the new man, you will not sin. It's when we live after the flesh and the realm of reason, the unrenewed realm of reason, the mind realm, that's when we miss it. <clears throat> you know, sin is, can, can kind of be a big word, but it just really means to miss the mark. I think last summer we talked about, you know, if you're, <clears throat> if you're a hunter, you can find, like you got a target, and if you're shooting an arrow and you keep shooting at that target, you may not hit the bullseye first time, but you don't stop, you don't give up. And sin really is really just missing the mark. I mean, the mark is the bullseye. And if you miss the mark, you don't just get frustrated, give up, and say, well, I might as well just never try to shoot an arrow again. You actually practice, and you shoot again, and you, you hone it. You get closer and closer and closer, and you, you hit the mark. And so um, if we sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, so that we actually have someone that is in the court of heaven that's on our side, that's trained. Like um, P.C. Nelson said, he is trained and versed in all protocol and everything you need to know uh, to win uh, the legal battle in the court of heaven. And that's the Holy Spirit on our side with Jesus Christ, our advocate. And so we find that when we mess up, you've got an advocate right there saying, you know what? I took care of it by my blood. My blood actually cleansed that thing right there that they think in their head that that's too bad, that's too far, that's too much, um, they're too lazy. Uh, that blood, my blood, cleansed that. And then if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. So when we confess our sins, we actually come and we declare, yes, I did that, I messed up in that, and then we're cleansed. And so confession, uh, you know, I first learned about it from confessing sins, and I thought, okay, that was any time somebody would say, I'm going to talk on confession, I thought, oh, man, let's, why are we going to talk about all the bad things we did? Because <laughs> that's the only exposure I had to it. And then, um, then I started to learn uh, about the power of confession, that life and death are in the power of the tongue, and that you could speak the word of God, and that actually creates the manifestation of that in your life and in my life. And then I heard confession now for so long that I, I prefer the word declaration at the moment because to me it speaks a lot more. It's more like, okay, you're going to actually take and you're going to declare over your life, over the life of your church, over the life of your loved ones, over the life of your business, over the life of your country. Uh, we will not have a murderous spirit over this nation in the name of Amen. Jesus. Come on. Right? Yeah. There's a difference in me saying that like that and just saying, yeah, we're not, we're not going to have all that murderous stuff going on. You know, just kind of haphazard, like I don't really care, you know, uh, and I may care, but I'm not taking the time to align my faith um, with what I'm saying. So let's look at our two main uh, scripture texts, Romans chapter uh, 10, verses 8 through 10, and 2 Corinthians 4.14. Sometimes I like to just um, 
let my eyes fall fall on it in my Bible instead of just looking at my iPad. Romans chapter 10, verse 8, but what says it? The word is near you, even in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised from, from, from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And then 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 14. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 14. Or excuse me, verse 13. We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. And so we find that when you have a spirit of faith, like David had a spirit of faith, that you're going to believe and you're going to speak. And what are you going to believe? You're going to believe what God said because faith comes, Romans uh, 10, 17. Excuse me. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if we're going to speak the word of God, we have to hear the word of God. And if we're going to hear the word of God, we have to hear the word of God uh, preached under the anointing. We have to hear the word God read aloud by ourselves as we, you know, basically um, the rhema of God, the spoken revelation of God. And so you want to get that into you because any of us could hear uh, the word of God read like a storybook, like a history book. It wouldn't mean a lot to you, wouldn't mean a lot to me, except for, oh, that's cool history. You know, Jesus lived in Capernaum, and he lived three years, and, and then he died, um, and even then he resurrected. But when that comes as revelation knowledge, uh, what the Bible calls rhema knowledge, um, uh, the rhema of the anointed one, then it actually makes a difference. So we want to speak and believe and speak from that revelation knowledge, and that comes from the beginning of our walk with Christ. From the second we're right before we're made a new creation, we actually see, whoa, I can't do this on my own. I need to reach out to a higher power. And that higher power is Jesus Christ and the power and, uh, of his life and the power of God that is uh, resident in him and the power of the resurrection that's in him so that I'm going to believe that in my heart and speak that, declare that, confess that with my mouth. So it's not a haphazard thing. It's not just, oh, okay, you're telling me to say that, so I'm going to say that, and then I'm, you know, then I'm born again. Well, you know, uh, my brother actually asked me, one of my brothers asked me one time, he was on the um, evangelistic team uh, at Rama and going out into the inner city, and he asked me, he said, you know, do you know why, like, sometimes we'll go out, and the same people I prayed with like a year ago, they're coming to pray for salvation again, you know? And, of course, some of those people... Um, are not mentally there, so you end up with some of that. But then a lot of people, they'll know, like, okay, well, if I, if I pray this, then they're going to give me a free meal. And it's not bad to do that. That's wonderful to do that. I'm not against that. Uh, my point is just that you can actually speak the things, not mean it in your heart, and it doesn't mean a hill of beans. You spoke the thing. They're not born again. They're not recreated on the inside. But when you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe that in your heart, you are transformed. You are changed. Everything's different. It's a new being comes to live inside of you. You become a new being that is one with God. So now it's not just you anymore. And um, one of the greatest ways to know that, especially uh, either way, is because the love of Christ will start to constrain you. The love of the anointed one and his anointing. You'll start to have this love that you didn't have. And the reason I like to use love is, number one, the Bible talks about we know we've passed from death to life because we love the brethren. 
Um, but then again, also, some people don't have, like, I don't have, like, I was never uh, a drunkard. I was never high on drugs. Um, I've never tried any, well, maybe I was high on drugs. <laughs> medicine, like drugs. <laughs> uh, one time I took some medicine up in uh, Minnesota with my wife's family. They were playing, they love to play these games, like card games, so they're playing these card games. And I wasn't feeling well, and I'd take some uh, NyQuil. And um, so we're playing this card game, and I just, like, start crying and, like, bawling and uncontrollably crying. And uh, she has five sisters and one brother, and her brother was not there, so it's me with all these girls, and I am stuff man, crying. And then I, like immediately just switch and I'm laughing like uncontrollably laughing and then I'm like trying to think and I can't think and I go back to crying and it's like this you know and I, I thought oh you know I'm so embarrassed <laughs> so maybe I have been I don't know what that is but uh, I've never done it on purpose <laughs> so I never was all that um, and sometimes you'll get people will say like well you know, I don't have a very good testimony because I haven't really been into a lot of stuff. You know, that's actually an awesome testimony of the grace and preservation and protection of the Lord. Like that I don't have to have all these uh, stories of uh, illegitimate children and everything else like that. So I've been um, very blessed and very uh, uh, protected by the Lord. But I still know that I have a love inside of me that I wouldn't have had, that I didn't have before I was born again. And that that love... Uh, constrains me, the Bible says. And it does. That love is, is constantly there like, okay, don't, mm, mm, don't say that or don't do that or don't think that way. And uh, I never lose my willpower. You never lose your willpower. So you can choose to disobey that and live a miserable life. Yeah. Or you can choose to obey it and have the fullest, richest life you could ever imagine, really beyond what you could imagine or what I could imagine. And so uh, one minister said, and I think it's so true, the most frustrated people that you see in life are the ones that are Christians but don't act like it. Because then you've got something on the inside nudging you, pulling you, pricking at you, saying, like, you can't live that way. You're a new creation. Like, it's not comfortable with you living that way, but you're still wanting to live that way. And so um, I've even heard testimonies of people that they say, I got born again, and I still tried to do whatever I wanted to do, like just live a fleshly, gratifying life. And they said, I was so upset because I was miserable doing it, and before I enjoyed it. <laughs> and so you find out that when you're born again, whether your head realizes it or not, whether your flesh realizes it or not, you are completely different. Everything's changed. Your perspective changed and your nature changes. And that's why so many times you don't really have to tell somebody that just got born again, you know, you really should quit cussing and quit smoking and all this other type of stuff because they'll just, many times naturally, that stuff will just start to fall off because they just don't have a desire for that anymore. They have a desire for the things of God and the kingdom of God. So... Um, Confession is a very powerful thing, and confession can change your whole day. Uh, even as we talked about, when you want to start out your day right, you want to confess and you want to declare. So you don't just want to haphazardly say like, oh, it's going to be a great day. Like Oral Roberts used to say, something good is going to happen to you today. Right? Yeah. And Oral Roberts became so famous just because he said, what was his message? God is good. And, of course, he had miracles to back it up, the power of God. Uh, But, you know, a lot of people don't know that God is good. 
And even sometimes in areas of our own life, we don't realize that God is good. Uh, if we're honest with ourselves, sometimes we'll look and we'll say, well, I, you know, no, I don't really expect God to provide for me financially in that way because that's, that's not really a have to. That's, that's just a desire. So, so really, the Lord doesn't really want me to have that. Or, you know, well, it wouldn't be fair for me to have this and nobody else had this. So, no, that must not be the will of God. And the devil will try to slip up on your realm of reason to get you to try to figure it out, to hold back uh, the blessings that the Lord wants for you to have. So, talking about the definition of confession, to say the same thing, to agree in statement, to agree on a statement. In other words, I may say something and you say, yes, I agree with that. Actually, when you say amen, it's saying, so be it. You declare, like, may it be that way in my life. Amen. That's what I, yeah, <laughs> amen. Um, to speak the same language. In other words, we're on the same page. We talked about, I love the example, uh, maybe because I'm in the middle of house deals right now or whatever, but the ratification example. And so uh, we have done several houses. I don't want to say how many, probably five or something like that since we have lived here. And um, when you get to the point where you're ratifying the contract on the house, you're saying, I want to buy this house for X amount of dollars. And they're saying, well, I have this for sale for X amount of dollars. You're saying, okay. And then I want you to pay a certain amount of closing costs, or I'll pay a certain amount of closing costs. And then you're saying, like, I really like that pot rack that you have in your house. I would like the pot rack that's in your house to be part of the deal. And then they say, no, my daughter gave me that. Oh, right. <laughs> that, that happened to us. So when you get to, like, the, the ratification, that means, like, you're saying, okay, I want the pot rack, and they're saying, no, I'm not going to give you the pot rack, but I'll give you this money, or I'll give you that, or whatever. And then, so what they say, you agree on, and then what you say, they agree on, and then once you get to that point, you can ratify. That means now it's, it's binding, and so now you can move forward with your inspection process and do everything else. So when we're talking about confession, it's like that. It's like ratifying. So you want to talk about confessing that by the stripes of Jesus, you were healed, well, you have to agree with what God said, because I have news that you probably are highly well aware of, and that is God's not going to change what he said. Yeah. His word will never change, and his word will never pass away, thank God, because even when the earth passes away, his word still remains. So really, if you don't know the word now, you ought to, you, you ought to get started now, because you're going to be learning the word in heaven, you're going to be growing in heaven. Um, in faith and in trusting God, and you know, I don't have time to go to those scriptures right now, but the word of God will never pass away. So when we talk about healing, uh, prosperity, being free from depression, free from any of the chains that the devil would try to bring, we want to declare, confess. Well, in order to declare and confess, we have to believe and agree. So we say, by the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. Well, if that's not real to you, then what you do is you want to find more scriptures that make that real to you. And you want to pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And I always say in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, especially concerning health and healing. Yeah. Because I want to understand this. I want to see this. And when you read the Ephesians prayer, some of the best prayers in the Bible, you find that Paul is praying for the church at Ephesus that they would understand the great inheritance that they have in Christ. Well, part of your inheritance in Christ is health and healing. Yeah is divine health and healing. Why do we say health and healing? Well, if you're sick, you should be healed because by the stripes of Jesus, you were healed. But if you're well, you should stay healthy. Yeah. And so you take God's medicine, which is the word of God, and it keeps you healthy. So to say the same thing, 
to agree in statement. So I'm saying the same thing, by his stripes I'm healed. I'm agreeing with that statement to speak the same language. Uh, all men agreed on a statement to agree to a proposal to submit to it. I love Psalm 119, my favorite chapter in the whole Bible. talks about the word of God. Your words are like honey to my mouth. Your word is more precious to me than thousands of gold and silver. And I sometimes change the scripture when I'm saying it. Your word is more precious to me than billions or trillions of dollars. Not that I could imagine having a billion dollars, but, you know, people talk billions nowadays, so uh, it's more impressionable to me than thousands. In other words, your word, uh, I want your word, I hunger for your word more than I hunger for anything else. One of my favorite scriptures of that chapter is, I esteem your words above all else. I consider all else to be false besides your words. So I take and I say, okay, Lord, if I don't get it, if it's in your word, I'm esteeming that. I'm placing that higher. I'm regarding that higher than what I regard my own thoughts on that because that, that makes no sense to me. I've never seen that before. That's like, you know, and so that's what I did really with uh, health and healing because I was not brought up understanding that you, uh, it was the will of God for you and me to be healed today. I didn't, I didn't have that understanding. I thought it was if the Lord wills it if he decides it might happen, it might not. You don't know where the healing is going to fall. So it was a hit or miss, and it wasn't like you could just, uh, according to your faith, be it unto you. It wasn't like what Jesus said, which when I say that now, it just sounds completely weird, doesn't it? Like, I wasn't thinking what Jesus said. <laughs> um, but thank God for the renewing of your mind so that you even forget how you used to think. Yeah. And um, But... So you want to get that so rooted in you that that's what actually comes out when sickness comes against your body, that you actually maybe start to laugh, like, <laughs> devil, you're trying to put this on me? Uh, Jesus actually already healed me. It's all taken care of. I'm not even going to worry about it. And um, you come into agreement with that, uh, to agree to a wish or to a promise. Of course, with us, it's not wishing. It's knowing the promise. And it's actually not a promise. You know, uh, the Lord did not promise to heal us. He actually did heal us. Um, the Old Testament, he promised to heal us, and then he's already fulfilled that promise. So uh, in the Greek, it's homology, and homology is a solemn and public declaration by which a legal relation is contractually established. So you're saying this publicly. You're not, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation for the Jew first and also for the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness from God is revealed from first to last. As it's written, the just shall live by faith. So I'm not ashamed. So it's a public declaration. Um, it's a problem with reading definitions if you lose your place. It's a public dec declaration by which a legal relation is contractually established. That means when you declare publicly... By his stripes, I am healed. Now a legal relation is established. Now what legally has been accomplished by Jesus Christ healing me by his stripes is now real and vital to me. It actually comes into existence. As we said last week, one of the definitions is you actually bind yourself to those words. That means you attach yourself to those words. You're bound to those words. Those words are bound to you. So when you're declaring this way, it's becoming part of you. 
You see how cool it is? By his stripes, I am healed. So now it actually becomes tangible. It becomes part. It becomes living and active in me. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. One translation says, faith is awakened by hearing the word of God. Uh, the reason I love that translation is it's so easy for people to get like, okay, I've got to read 25 scriptures a day and do all this stuff, and then I'll have enough faith to actually receive. No, you have faith the second you believe, and it's not hard to believe. If you're a Christian, you're already a believer. You've done the greatest act of believing. You just say, okay, Jesus said it. I believe it. And, you know, you just believe it more than what you believe other stuff because it doesn't mean you're not going to have thoughts in your head because thoughts will still come to your head. Uh, you talk about sinning and messing up. You'll still have pictures the devil will try to bring of sins that you committed, things that you did. But you've already confessed them, and you've already been cleansed from them. The devil, though, if he can get you to look at that picture, focus on that picture long enough to say, like, that's who you are, that's what you did, uh, you're going to be ineffective. You're, you're not going to connect with God in prayer because you're going to feel unworthy. You're going to feel like, I shouldn't even pray, I shouldn't even talk to you because I am uh, a sinner. I am sinful. And the devil wants you to say, like, I'm just a saved sinner. If you're born again, you are not a saved sinner. You are a saint of God. You are born again. You're a new creature. That new creature has never sinned. That new creature has never messed up. That new creature has never done anything that's out of the will of God. But if you do sin after you're born again, after you're a new creature, he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you. Okay, so you like stay on the same page as long as you stay connected to Jesus Christ. So the same way that you can, uh, started your salvation is the same way you continue your salvation. Again, I love the story of Smith Wigglesworth when he was plumbing at that lady's house and he talked with her about Jesus Christ and she accepted Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior and she just, man, had a tangible manifestation of salvation and she's like, oh, this feels so good. What do I have to do to keep this? And he said, well, there's only one thing you have to do to keep it and that is you have to give it away. In other words, you can't be selfish and just say, oh, this is just for me. Uh, you have to give it away. Because as soon as you're born again, then Jesus puts you to work in his kingdom. So it's not like you come in here and you get born again. And you're like, okay, well, I have to wait six months before I'm going to get involved in serving. No, really, you should start serving the next week. Maybe you should help tear down after that week. Because um, where we get into trouble is we stop the flow of money that comes into our life, or we stop the flow of the anointing that comes into our life that the Lord has anointed us with, and he actually loves you. He wants you to have that, but he wants it to flow through you. He wants to share his life and his love with the world, and the only way he can do that is through you and through me, and through us getting out there, sharing his love, and sharing his life. So it's a declaration. It's a legal relation that's contractually established, so it's, it's a serious thing. Um, it's to assure, to promise, to admit, to concede. Um, it's the opposite of um, contesting a sin. We talked about that a little bit. If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you. It's the opposite of contesting that, saying, no, I didn't really, you know, I didn't really do that, and, you know, that really wasn't me. You know, like, I don't know why we do that <laughs> with the Lord. <laughs> I know why we do it with other people, because you want to, like, hide that you ever messed up or that you ever do anything wrong, right? But with the Lord, he knows everything. And so instead of contesting it, we just say, yeah, you're right, I did that. Remember I, I told you the story about um, uh, this young girl that um, was talking to Brother Hagin and said, you know, how come my husband's family always gets healed? They always uh, get set free, but my family almost never does when they go. And they both believe in healing. And he said, well, I don't know, but unless the Lord tells me. He said, but I can tell you uh, probably your husband's family is 
quick to forgive, quick to repent. And your family uh, holds a grudge. And she said, how'd you know that? You're exactly right. He said, well, because, you know, you look in the scriptures and you find out, you know, even Mark 11, 23 and 24 says, whoever says to this mountain, if you look at verse 25, um, and when you stand praying, forgive if you have ought against any. Ought just means any little thing against anybody. And so you find out that if you have unforgiveness, it's going to actually stop the flow of the healing power of God. It's going to stop the flow of being able to get rid of mountains because you're actually holding stuff up by what you're holding, okay? Your unforgiveness, your bitterness. And um, um, you find out that as you confess and admit that it actually sets you free, yeah. right? Well, the devil wants, wants to, uh, he is uh, deceiving yeah. and trick, trickery, and he masquerades like an angel, like, oh, don't say that, don't, you know, it'll be embarrassing, it'll be this, it'll be that. And um, he wants to get you to hold on to that picture as long as possible because then he's in control. Because the devil has no control over you. The devil has no power over you. The devil has no power over your finances. The devil has no power over anything that concerns you that you don't let him have. Uh, but with your gear shift in neutral, you will not possess the best that God has for you. You have to actually put your gear, sh your, your shift, what's that called? Your shifter in gear. What is that called? Your stick in gear, if you're a stick shift, or your, your other stick if it's an automatic, you have to put it in gear to go somewhere. And the way that we put it in gear is through believing and speaking. Yeah. In fact, um, if you could say that the door to the supernatural swings on two hinges, one is believing and the other one is speaking. So that when you believe and speak, you actually open up a door for supernatural things to enter your life and to um, overtake you and overtake your life. Uh, it also means to judicially make a statement in a legal sense to bear witness. Um, you see this when Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father in heaven. But if you don't confess me before men, I won't confess you before my Father in heaven. And then he also said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before the angels of heaven. And if you don't confess me before men, I won't confess you before the angels of heaven. So our confession is so powerful that if we're not going to confess him before men, he's not going to confess us before our heavenly Father. Wow. I mean, that's a huge... Uh, amount of power that the confession of Jesus Christ has. So you realize when you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And actually, you are recreated the moment that you do that, the moment that that happens. And then number three, um, confession is to make uh, solemn, solemn statements of faith or to confess um, faith in something. Uh, confessing Confession of the word of God grows out of faith. So that's kind of what we were talking about. If you are going to meditate in the word of God, if you're going to let that word have first place in your life, if that's what's going to be stirring around in your thoughts, stirring around in your mind, you're going to find that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You're going to be speaking it. So it's not like, um, it's interesting. Like the things of faith are all relying upon you having faith in God. But it's not all relying upon you doing a bunch of works to have faith in God. It's just relying upon you just trusting God. And so uh, the way that you do it, I, I think it's so simple that uh, you just find scriptures that talk about what you need, what you want. 
And then you start to think about those scriptures. You read those scriptures. You let those scriptures be uh, foremost in your thought life. So all of a sudden, yeah, I'm thinking about this. You know, I'm thinking about, what are you thinking about? Well, I'm thinking about like, uh, man, there's so many ways that the Lord provided for healing. It's amazing. Like, you know, it's through the anointing of oil with the laying on of hands. It's through the spoken word of God. It's through um, meditating in the word of God. It's through uh, the medicine that comes through the word of God. Um, it's through uh, working of miracles, gifts of healings. And you start to think about these things and let these have a place in you. And then you start to realize as uh, sickness will come against you, your thoughts then, uh, you move towards the, your dominant thoughts. Well, what are your thoughts? Or your thoughts are, man, there's so many ways for healing. And then a sickness comes against you and you're kind of like, oh, well, there's so many ways that this healing's going to come. I wonder which one the Lord's going to use. And then really you just, like I said, in healing school uh, that they started in 1979 in Ramah, um, a lot of places now have healing school. The way they do it is you bring someone in to minister to them, and then you find a scripture that means something to the person that has come in. Uh, you don't want to find a scripture that means something to you because uh, you're not the one that needs health in your body. You want to find a scripture that means something to them. And so you just ask them, you know, well, is there a scripture, you know, especially about healing that really means something to you? And then normally they'll say, yeah. And if they don't, you give them a few scriptures and you let them say like, which one kind of like sparked in you? Which one, which one did you like, ooh, uh, I want to know more about that. I would do whatever. I do this every day in my devotions. I'm reading a passage of scripture and I'm so excited. I love the word of God, but I'll tell you what I'm doing. I'm waiting for that, that thing to stand out because there's always something that the Lord's trying to say to me and it'll stand out. And sometimes I'll get like, you know, a couple pages through the Bible before that happens. But sometimes I can't get more than a verse or two. I'm like, oh, this is so good. And that's the Lord speaking to me. Well, then that's a great thing. I can act on that that day because this is revelation knowledge to me. This is rhema knowledge to me. Rhema is the, is the, is the Greek word there. And um, it, uh, it's alive to me. And when something's alive to you, that's when you act. You know, Dad Hagen used to always tell us, he said, when you get thrilled with the word of God, that's when it works for you. So that's why you'll find a scripture that you get thrilled with and it works for you. And then you just begin declaring and confessing, this is who I am. This is what I have. This is the way it's going to be. So I'm not going to have any, um, any more days of poverty. I'm not going to have any more days of sickness. I'm not going to have any more days of depression. I'm not going to have any more days um, that are ho-hum. I'm going to live every day for Jesus with his life and with his power. And as you speak those and come in line with those, and we talked about the very, very first week of this confession series, that confession is a lot more than just the words that you speak. We talked about it at the first of today's message. If you're just speaking words, yeah, uh, I take Jesus as my Lord and believe my heart, God raised him from the dead. If those are just words to you, it's not going to recreate you. You're not going to be recreated. But if you believe those words and you speak them, you are a new creature. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. And then it actually is activated, and your whole life changes. Your whole being changes. Your whole destination changes. You get the life and the nature of God inside of you right here, right now in this world. So stand with me if you would. The power of our tongue, the power of our confession, you know, we should say like in the book of James, you see it's like the bridle in a horse's mouth, or it's like the rudder on a big ship. So you think like, oh, my tongue is like so insignificant. How can my tongue actually make that much difference? How could what I say make that much difference? 
Um, well, the Word of God says uh, life and death are in the power of your tongue and of my tongue. The Word of God says that you can change the whole course, set the whole course of your life by your tongue, by what you're, by what you're saying with your tongue and, and believing with your heart. And so you can set it for good or you can set it for bad. You can set it on the word of God or you can set it on the word of the president or somebody that wants to be the president. You can set it on your family's words. You can set it on your friend's words or you can set it on the word of God. And when you set uh, your tongue on fire with the word of God, you'll get God's best in your life. And you'll declare over other people um, God's best in their life. Every head bowed and every eye closed. We have that same spirit of faith, the same spirit of faith that David had, the same spirit of faith that Jesus had, the same spirit of faith which believes and speaks. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is life to us and health to all of our flesh, that your words bring light and bring understanding. Father, I pray for each and every one of us that this week as we go, that you would um, draw our attention to the parts of your word that you want us to uh, major on, the parts of your word that you want to embed within us in a greater way than what they have been before, Father, the parts that you are saying, come on, young child, you can rise up, you can have that in your life. Father, I pray, especially areas concerning the curse, I declare that we are not under the curse, that Jesus has set us free from every sickness, from every disease, from spiritual death, from poverty, from lack, from the power of the devil, that we are not bound by any chains of the devil, but that we have been set free by the power of God. Father, I pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you for each and every person that's listening to this, listening to my voice. Father, I thank you that you give revelation, that you give understanding, that you give life to each and every one of us. I thank you for the power that you have put in our mouth and in our tongue and that we are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. Thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.